Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the show that takes a look at pop culture, tech, media, major album releases, because in the end, everything is an ad. Hello, I'm Shannon Miller, the creative and inclusion editor here at Adweek. Joining me at my proverbial right is my lovely co-host, community editor Luz Corona. Luz! <laughs> happy Beyonce week! Yes! Happy Bay week. <laughs> How are you, Shannon? It's a good week. It, it is a great week. Um, made even better by the fact that you are back. We did absolutely miss you. Um, so it is great for you to join us again, especially for such a wonderful occasion. So for those who may not know, and there could be a few, there could be like five or six, Beyonce <laughs> is coming out with her long-awaited album, Renaissance, that drops, um, well, by the time this album, or rather, by the time this episode releases, the album will have been out. Now, this episode is actually not all about Beyonce, although that would not be the worst episode that we could give you, to be honest. Amen. <laughs> but <laughs> we thought that this was a really great opportunity to talk about something that we don't get an opportunity to cover all that often, even though I think all of us involved in, in Yeah, That's Probably an Ad has a deep fascination with, and that's music marketing. Um, just we want to take an opportunity to talk about where it's been, where it is right now, where it's going, and to help us navigate this deeply fascinating world, we do have a special guest. Luz, who's our special guest? Our special guest is Najee Grampus, VP of Streaming and Strategy at The Orchard, Sony's independent distribution arm. He is also host of the podcast Cigar Talk. Najee, hi and welcome. Hey, ladies. Thank you both for having me. I'm actually caught me in my office today, so my background looks like really nice with the plaques and stuff, but thank y'all for having me. We can confirm yeah. that the, the background <laughs> is nice. It is definitely it is. official. Yeah, we while well, we have our work from home background. So yeah, Nashi, you're killing it today. <laughs> happy, happy B week. Happy B yeah. week to you as well, my friend. Uh, we are really excited to have you join us. 
and to offer a little bit of your expertise. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, my title is VP of Streaming and Strategy. Um, I pretty much touch and sort of quarterback all the releases here um, for Sony's independent distribution that are hip hop and R&B. So going from, I guess, creating strategy, um, both on DSPs, right? Your Spotify, Apple, Tidal, Amazon, all that good stuff. Uh, jockeying for playlist position and billboards and things of that nature. Um, all the way to signing people. I've signed a few acts uh, that have done really well. And um, also coordinating with our marketing teams uh, just to make sure that, you know, the marketing plans are full circle and our rollouts from inception to uh, post are, you know, happening uh, as they should. Great. So this is this is your bread and butter, pretty much. I think we brought the right person on today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we brought the exact right person on today. Yes. <laughs> I have a question before we really dive into our discussion. Is there a piece of music marketing that you saw before, well before you got into this business that convinced you that this was the business for you? Um, I wouldn't say that there was like a marketing specific thing that I guess was the catalyst for me getting into the business. Um, however, the first marketing campaign that I've really took notice of that I was like, yo, this is dope, um, was the, and this was like a little bit before my time. I'm like aging myself. I'm 33. Um, but Craig Mack and Biggie, um, and this was a, a Puff Daddy, shout out to Puff Daddy and Bad Boy. They did a the record together and it was like, they called it Big Mac. So they actually had the McDonald's Big Mac, uh, box that the cassette came in. Um, and I thought that was super dope, like, you know, just to like come in the, the, the Big Mac box and like the play on the Biggie and Craig Mac. Um, so things like that have always sort of inspired me and try to get my creative juices flowing. That's exciting. One that I get to <laughs> talk to someone on this podcast about Craig Mac is very, very exciting to me. <laughs> I love that. Um, I guess we're both telling on our ages a little bit here because I'm 36. So I was like, yes, I do remember that. And that was brilliant. Amazing. <laughs> was it like, was it like a happy meal thing or like, what did it look like? Like, did you get it with a meal if you went to McDonald's? Yeah, so I think like you you get it. So mind you, I'm not old enough to where I actually like got one, but I saw it around. My older <laughs> cousin had it. Um, so I think it was just like you could go to actual McDonald's and it came in the actual box. So it wasn't a Happy Meal. I don't think they were doing like brand partnerships and stuff at the time, like you know how they do. Not quite. <laughs> um, but it came with the McDonald's box just in case, and the packaging was that, um, and it had the cassette in there, and um, that was the first time I saw and understood like what cool marketing was. Wow. That's so cool. And McDonald's keeps killing it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you talk about people um, or brands who are sort of at the ground level of really, really interesting like art and brand partnerships, McDonald's is definitely one of those legacy brands that have sort of known what's up from, from the beginning. And, you know, we're slowly seeing brands really catch on to their ability to connect um, I think that now that we're in this age of TikTok, people are still trying to figure out how, what that looks like organically, but it is interesting to see more brands kind of figure out how to bridge that gap or how to tap into these audiences, because these are viable audiences that are willing to spend money sight unseen. For instance, 
like when Beyonce drops an album with no pictures and no identifying <laughs> markers whatsoever, and everyone's like, I'm going to drop the 40 bucks anyway. Obviously, the money is there to spend. So these rollouts that we hadn't seen for a while, I think are going to come back more full force now that there's an understanding of like, oh, there's money on the table. So I, I kind of want to take it back to when we first saw the power of the surprise drop. I don't want to make the journalistic assumption that Beyonce was the first to ever do it, but it feels like she was the one to really sell her power in a way that was like, she was the one of the first in my memory to pull it off so flawlessly. And now, so it's, it's really interesting to see her now do like a traditional rollout. Um, so Najee, from your perspective, do you feel like we're kind of reaching the end of the surprise drop? Because I feel like a lot of artists tried to to sort of copy that secret sauce, some with with varying success. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Do you feel like we're kind of we're we're kind of done with that era? Um, well, I'll start by saying, um, as far as I'm concerned, Beyonce was the first one to do the surprise. <laughs> okay. Um, I I think so. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think. One is in Beyonce, both Beyonce and Jay-Z are, are very great at marketing and actually put, you know, a lot of intent into it. Um, so with that drop, I think that was the self-titled Beyonce album. Um, we got to also think about the timing, right? Like the timing was one where social media just really started to become what it is. Like we're just in the space where now we've been utilizing social media maybe for a decade, right? It's it's you know sort of in the stages of it passed its infantile stages, and we're starting to really understand what it is and how it moves and how it works. Um, and I think at the time, you know, everyone was sort of conditioned to the traditional rollout, right? Like you give it maybe a month or two of just promotion and uh, different press photos and you know whatever things that you want to do sort of before that. Uh, but Beyonce really showed the power of social media, right? And I think that that surprise drop was a testament to that. Just one is um, her branding power, right? To like have something with no, you know, th there was no warning. There was no anything. Like it was just a, hey, surprise, midnight, here you go. Um, but it caused such a social media stir that everyone picked it up. And, you know, um, I think it's it's definitely a testament to understanding the time, um, and also understanding your branding power and what you're able to do with that. Um, and then the other part of it is uh, post rollout campaign and strategy. I think a lot of people sort of condition themselves to think that marketing only happens from uh, the lead up to release and don't really give as much thought into the post release strategy. And what could you do to continue to keep working a project after it's out? Um, and I think Beyonce executed that flawlessly. So I think in that time, I think it was such a cool thing. Like you said, it kind of got watered down. A bunch of people have done it since then. Um, but that's the thing about marketing. And the goal is how do you keep reinventing the wheel, right? Like how do you use the time period? That mm -hmm. we're in? How do you use, you know, whatever product you're trying to push um, and come up with something new and innovative um, that'll capture people's attention. And I think today in 2022, um, great marketing is needed more than ever. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And so, Najee, we talked, I think you're right on point about your take on social media and just these are artists that are really understanding the role of it. So what do you think that means for like the other traditional methods like we saw out of home, you know, and sorry to still reference this duo, but Jay-Z's 444 rollout was largely out of home a few years ago and I believe even won awards for it. And then you have like the merch drops from Travis Scott, you know, that sold out in minutes. Does that mean those are becoming outdated? Like is social media the focus? What do you think about those methods? I mean, I think marketing to me, um, and this is just my personal view, is a case-by-case basis. Um, I think every artist is, you know, specific to them and your your rollout should be determined by um, how you operate your branding message and what you you know who your fans are and knowing your fan base so I don't wouldn't necessarily say it's outdated per se um, but I do think that you have to sort of be intentional about you know who you're speaking to and the rollouts that you do just based on you know what your brand is I think when we're talking about um, merch outside of like someone like Travis Scott, who does it really well. I think Tyler, the creator has really branched himself out and um, carved out a niche of, you know, especially in the era of bundles, right? Bundles have ceased to exist now um, due to the billboard rules constantly changing. Um, but we saw with Tyler's album, he would, you know, pair hoodies and shirts together with the album and sort of creating these merch bundles to where fans are getting the album with the merch that you're buying. Um, and I thought that was, you know, super cool. Um, so I think in Jay-Z's 444, obviously, like it was definitely heavy um, on the out of home billboard stuff. But I think it was also cool because I saw it and I'm from New York City. I'm a New York City kid. Uh, so I'm like seeing it on buses, the 444 decked out. Uh, I'm seeing it just kind of everywhere. And it was super ambiguous at the time. So no one actually knew at the time what 444 was. Right. It was just like you're seeing it everywhere. And I think it was kind of this ubiquitous strategy where it's just like everywhere you go, you see some sort of 444. Um, and it was also coupled with the digital part of it where they had these little like acting skits, I think on title with, uh, the act, what's his actor's name? I think Mashar Ali. And there was a few different other people who kind of came together and they were doing these like really ambiguous skits. And we was like, we know Jay-Z's doing something, but no one quite knows what it is. Um, and I think that's a testament to his brand is just being this like mysterious guy, like this mysterious cool guy that he's always up to something, but we don't quite know what it is. So um, I, I think that, you know, nothing's new under the sun, but you want to try to make it as uh, specific to you as possible when we're talking about marketing. I think you touched on a couple of really interesting points there, um, specifically about bundles. It's interesting because, like you said, it's really on a case-by-case and market-by-market basis because we're still seeing bundles pretty pervasively in, like, K-pop. Like, all of my favorite K-pop groups still continue to, like, live and die by the bundle. So you can get an album, but you can also get a hoodie, you can get a keychain, Maybe you can get, I don't know, a fly swatter. I, I don't know, but it will be something that comes with it. I tend not to um, just because, uh, you know, clothing sizes don't translate too well over here. So I'll just get my little digital album and, and be about my merry way. But you, it's interesting to still see bundles sort of thrive in international markets. And when you talk about um, out of home, we still saw a pretty viable out of home campaign not too long ago um, between Drake and and Kanye when they were having that like weird billboard beef in Canada. Like it was petty, but it worked. Yeah. Like everyone <laughs> was talking about those two two albums. And you know, I, I have not personally peeled back the, back that curtain, so you know how much of that was intentional and what was 
orchestrated and what wasn't. But when you look at how Out of Home really worked there, it really shows that there is like a, there's a viable plan for everyone. Um, But it seems like we were in this age of TikTok where we can see TikTok really impact an, an album's success. However, we're also seeing like a lot of artists come to the forefront and say like, such and such says that I need to make this go viral. And I don't know how, we don't know how true that is or or what the the strategy is there. Does that work? Is that an actual working strategy going viral on TikTok? Do you think? Um, it's, it's a twofold answer, um, in my opinion. Um, I think yes, to a degree, right? And when I say to a degree, I think that viral success is not necessarily something that you can manufacture, right? Um, I think you can anticipate it, right? Like you can have a song or something where you feel like, hey, you know what? Like this could have a moment just because of the nature of what it is. Um, but you can't force viral. And I think that's one of the coolest things about TikTok in particular. Um, you know, we're in this viral sort of era and age that um, TikTok to me is based on just creativity, right? Like fans create this thing and how creative it is to me determines how well people will gravitate to it. Um, I've seen people like try to force like TikTok campaigns and it seems corny, you know what I mean? It doesn't feel authentic. Um, Not to throw anyone under the bus with this one, but I remember they did like the ski challenge and there was like the ski one on TikTok. And it, it was, like, <laughs> yeah. It was not for like two days because there was a bunch of big people doing it, but I feel like it didn't last that long. Just because, again, is I think the the organic nature of TikTok sort of determines how the campaign and the trend will go. Um, so, but I do think that TikTok is a is a very important um, part of marketing today when we're talking about music. Um, I just think you have to figure out what that looks like for you, right? I don't think everyone should just get up there and do like a 15 second dance. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think that's the extent of it. Um, but in terms of actual discovery, right? Like people understanding what a product is and like what this is, TikTok by far is the biggest discovery platform in music today, bar none. Um, I think that utilizing TikTok, you also have to understand how that works, right? Like meaning, I don't necessarily think that that is the crux of your campaign where you just go, we see songs in different moments just stay on TikTok. But I think uh, the larger part of the campaign is when you create this moment and the stir um, on TikTok, how do you now take that energy and convert it to other platforms, right? Like how do you convert discovery to monetization, right? And I think that those are two completely different things and different ideas. Um, But again, I, I think TikTok is definitely a huge part of of my campaigns. I know that some of my counterparts don't like TikTok, especially people in my age, 30s and up. I know a few people don't like it, Um, but I love it, man. I think TikTok is a a beautiful place. I think it's a beautiful way to aid your campaigns. Um, I think you just got to be creative when you do it. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? 
We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I love that. I think you made so many good points. And, you know, I actually was recently reading in one of our op-eds, and I think this goes into what you just said, Najee, like that TikTok is a platform that was made for the user, not for a brand to be on. So brands are, and, you know, brands and artists are figuring out their place on there and how to speak very organically to the users. So I think that ties exactly into what you said. So you've been in this space for a while, big fan of TikTok. But what are some past drops that you've been involved in that um, you're particularly proud of and what you've learned from them? Uh, just from album releases, you mean? Yeah, or any any kind of, yeah, album releases or any kind of music drops. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, there's a couple that I actually can't speak to that I would like to, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um Man, there's there's just a lot of there's a lot. I would say um, one of the coolest um, ones that I was a part of. Um, I'll just talk about this uh, blast. These upcoming R and B artists um, out of LA is doing really well. Um, platinum platinum songs, couple of platinum records, and um, in any event, he's blast is an LA artist from LA, born and raised. Um, and I think, so we distribute his music and, you know, sort of aid around the campaigns of his team. The thing about distribution is it's not a label, right? We have label services, um, but you are the label. So we sort of, uh, help in tandem with the label. Um, but with that, I think Blast sort of took, took it to a point where outside of the digital campaigns we were running, um, he was heavy in the streets of LA. So there's this guy, young kid with braids and he did this like braid initiative where, it was just like a bunch of different people and women sort of in this space and playing his music. And you could come just get your hair braided for free. Um, and it kind of went crazy. Like, oh, like, I love that. We're playing the music. You know, people are just wow. coming to get their hair braided and braids. And um, it sort of it created this um, really cool moment, one, just socially, um, but two, um, in L.A., right? Like his core market, um, people were really able to come tap in and feel the energy. And I think that. Um, to me, just because today we have the internet and social media. So I think that obviously that's a large part of campaigns, but I still believe you should really um, aid some sort of real life initiatives in your campaign. I don't think anything can replace like face to face, just being there with people and really touching the people. Um, that reminds me a lot of um, what Jade Lewis 
over um, at Capital Music Group um, once said, like, leading with culture is something that is always going to work. We, we've, in our industry, the word authentic gets thrown around so often to the point now where it's like, what does it even <laughs> mean anymore? Um, just because so many people have used the word authentic in totally inauthentic uh, ways right. and situations. But when you have something like that, where it's like, play music, get your hair braided, that's something that feels rooted in that artist culture. And you feel more inclined to participate because that's a like a genuine connection you were making with that artist. So I I love that. And I wish, I, I hope that more artists get to do things like that now that we're returning to more in-person activations and sort of getting back out into the world. It's opening up that flood of creativity in this space. And I I feel like music marketing is something that we really just need to keep a, a, an incredible eye on, like a really, really sharp eye on because so many dope campaigns fly right past our radar because we don't get to pay attention to that stuff. Um, but I'm telling you, that's where a lot of the creativity is. I find like a lot of really great campaigns a month or too late. And you're just like, wow, that was something that was really great. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I love that. And I hope that when you can talk freely about the other stuff <laughs> that you're excited about, hint, hint, that you can maybe go back to your good old pals at Adweek and let us know what's going on there. Yeah, we want the scoop. We want the dirt. Yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, I definitely will, will come back and, sh and share a couple of the campaigns that I was a part of that I can speak to when the time is right. <laughs> um, but I've definitely seen a bunch of dope campaigns, not necessarily that I've worked on, um, but just in general that I felt like were amazing. So, um, What are some um, that were your favorites that you, you weren't a part of? Um, in recent memory, I would say... Um, the Two Chains Pretty Girls Love Trap Music album, where he had the the space in Atlanta, the pink trap house with the pink car, and you could go in there and sort of see like all this stuff. And I thought that was so dope because, again, like the timing of that right was one in which Instagram was like that was the hot, Instagram was the hottest thing out at that point, and um, you know people are looking for places to take pictures and shoot content, and it was like in the middle of you know, the name of the album, Pretty Girls Love Trap Music, you got this pink trap house um, in the middle of Atlanta and it caused this whole thing where it became this cultural moment in this cultural space where like everyone in Atlanta wanted to come see it and take a picture. Um, and it became this like landmark, you know, that really propelled um, his album. So I think things like that are like just super dope and, you know, sort of push the boundaries of creativity. Can we talk about how legendary apparently that pink trap house is for a person from the out, from the complete outside, <laughs> when you talk to multiple music people lose, everyone mentions this pink <laughs> trap house. Everyone mentions that campaign, that and um, something that recently Summer Walker did are the two campaigns that come up consistently. Just Can you imagine just like, putting on a campaign that people just talk about for years to come. And that's what I'm talking about. Like there are just so many like culture setting moments that are happening in music marketing that are really setting the standard of creativity that we, that I'm hoping that we get to see a lot more of. Uh, Luz, do you have like a favorite like music marketing moment that really touch a spot with you? 
You know, I really remember being blown away with Travis Scott's launch where he had the merch and he had I don't I can't remember if it was Astro World, like all of it, but I just remember that merch selling out quick. Um, just everything he did was so at at that point in time, you know, he had the McDonald's meal and everything. It just seemed like he was showing up in spaces that duh, makes sense, but no one had really done it yet. So that's really the one in recent memory that I can remember blowing me away. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like being a controversial figure, Travis Scott is that yep. controversial figure when it comes to marketing. I mean, looking at past events, like I just don't know if, what is going to rouse something in me like Astroworld just because that was something that was really tremendous and um, crossed a barrier that like I don't expect my artists to show up in the in the video games I play. So to show up in that capacity was pretty great. And I also love sort of the the campaigns that don't necessarily lean on that in person or on these like big, huge activations, but just lean on consistency as a person who um, is pretty tapped into K-pop. I look to like my favorite artists like NCT, where if there is an album dropping, I know for certain about a month or six weeks before that album drops, we're going to get a calendar of all the content that they're going to release straight for a month. Just on this day, we're having like a fake sitcom show. And then on this day, we're having a fake talk show. And then on this day, we're going to release teaser trailers for all of the um, tracks. And we're going to release track videos. And there's that, that consistency that builds that anticipation is something that is just so nice as a music fan. I just, there's really nothing you can't do within this space. And obviously, because it ranges from doing a whole rollout to just not telling anybody at all and just <laughs> dropping your album and, and waiting for all the people to sort of freak out. I, I'm just deeply fascinated with this space. Um, and I'm hoping, like I said, that by the end of the year, we, we have a few that we can look back on and be like, wow, that really defined 2022. And I'm sure of it. I'm sure it'll happen. Uh, so I guess my final question to you, um, Najee, is what can music marketers stand to learn about today's audience in terms of like what they're looking for between like this age of like this sort of like in between time of like being in person, but also being on social media? Like what's an interesting lesson that people can learn right now? Um, <clears throat> I think to me, it's really, and I mean, you, you kind of said it just in, within the question, but I think timing is such a crucial piece in effective marketing. Um, what's the time in the world? What's going on right now? What What's happening? What do you project? What do you see? Um, and I think those are the things that um, really create effective marketing campaigns is just being able to understand the moment in the market currently, but also um, trying to forecast uh, what's next and what's coming. Um, so I think just with regard to, you know, people utilizing online campaigns, um, again, everything to me is, is case by case, but I, but I think that Digital should be coupled with physical marketing. Um, that's how I feel, you know, just in terms of um, creating the best rollout that, that you can possibly create and make um, is how do you couple the, the digital and what you're able to do on social um, 
with some sort of in-person. And again, it's, it's definitely tough, like being in this time, right, where, um, you know, who knows what sort of health conditions and different diseases are happening or whatever. So we're all trying to navigate that. Um, but even in the middle of that, right, like how do we create these sorts of moments? I think we even saw an example um, during the pandemic. Uh, Tory Lanez had his uh, Instagram live show. He called it Quarantine Radio, which sort of became a thing. And he piggybacked and launched a project off of. Right. Um, we're all in the house and he's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go live. And everyone's sort of catching this wave live and, you know, sort of piggybacked off that. Um, so I think it's just really how do you sort of be authentic to yourself and what you're looking to do. And then uh, kind of couple that with digital and tangible uh, sorts of ideas. Also, I want to say I gave a, I gave, I, I gave Nicki Minaj an album rollout idea. I don't know if she's going to use it, hopefully. But uh, if she does, I'm going to come back and talk to y'all about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki. <laughs> Nikki. What can we say <laughs> to convince her to use your, your yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I told her. She said she thought it was cool. She was going to think about it. So I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But if Nikki uses that, I'm, I'm going to definitely let y'all know. <laughs> All right. Tell us you know what? Let's it. throw it in. Like, let's have Nikki on the show. We can just talk to some people. Like, <laughs> I'm sure we can, you know, convince others. It's totally fine. And, you know, we'll have her on. Lose. I love it. Manifesting. Manifesting. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're we're to make this work for you, friend. We're, we're going to get you that campaign. <laughs> well, yeah. We're going to seal it for you. We're... Yeah. Count on us. <laughs> Well, I, I'm really grateful, Nanji, that you could join us today to take us through this world, like I said, that we are just sort of uh, really taking a deeper dive into. It's really exciting. I cannot wait to see what work you get to bring into the world next and what excites you enough to come back on our show and tell us in great detail uh, but in the interim, before we can get to that moment, thank you so, yeah, so thanks, much for joining you. us. Uh, thank you for having me. It was This was a great conversation and I had a great time. Thank you both, Louis and Shannon. I appreciate you both. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.